Hey, teacher friend, welcome back. It is Thanksgiving week right now, and I am in Missouri. I would love to know where you are and hoping that you have a wonderful week with your family, with your friends, with people that you love, or maybe you're just deciding to be cozy by yourself or with your dog or your cat. And hey, whatever makes your teacher heart happy, you just enjoy this time. I, like I said, am in Missouri Back in my hometown state in the Midwest, we live in Florida right now and we try to come back to Missouri throughout the year a couple times, if not a handful of times, and it really is a joy to be here and connect with old friends, old teacher friends, and of course, be with my family. I have a fun topic for you today, and this comes from many teachers who often ask me, So what curriculum do you use and how did you decide? This lights me up because I don't know about you, but a real true death trap of a teacher's joy is when we feel as if we cannot teach in a way that truly expresses who we are or teach in a way that feels constraining. We get uptight if we know that we have to fit within certain little parameters and our lesson plans have to be in boxes and uh, it was just so hard. It can really steal teachers joy and ultimately destroy our love for what we do if we have to follow something very rigidly and do not have an opportunity to really teach with the gifts that we've been given. Now, I know that that's not all the time, and of course, we can find ways that we can teach to spice up our lesson plans or to differentiate, but this is different. When you actually get to choose your curriculum for your homeschooling business or for your school, it's a whole different ballgame, friends. I will often hear teachers say, and maybe you've said it and I have said it, well, the curriculum that we follow doesn't allow us to X, Y, Z. Or maybe you've been in a conference or you yourself have said in a conference, your child is performing well below grade level and the curriculum is going to just continue to speed up and go at a very fast rate. It's increasing the gap for your child's education even further. Well, a lot of times the curriculum or the standards cause us to feel trapped in a box. And while I believe that curriculum is very useful, very useful, it has to be chosen and well thought out to meet the needs of our students and to make sure that it's something that we ourselves feel comfortable teaching. So in today's episode, I hope that you feel liberated because whether you are choosing to start a micro school or a homeschooling business, the ball typically falls within your court to be able to make the decisions for yourself as a teacher and for your students. It is super intriguing, and I am here today to set the captives free. Welcome, teacher, to the Let Your Light Shine podcast. If you're searching for the freedom and permission to design the life you love as a teacher, you're in the right place. I'm on a mission to help teachers just like you build their own dream school or homeschooling business. In this present day, the world needs you, teacher friend, to step out in faith and give students an education they love and so deserve. In this podcast, I will teach you how to start a fulfilling and profitable homeschooling business that lights you up. I'm Mackenzie Oliver, 
former elementary teacher and instructional coach, gone homeschool teacher and business builder. I'm here to empower you to step outside the classroom and choose the experiences, the curriculum, and all the moments that put a smile on your face and your students. Does it seem like a dream? Well, it did to me until God opened the doors and made it reality. Together, we are breaking through fears and moving the crowd. So get out your notebook, sharpen your pencil. It's time to get your teach on. Okay, teacher friend, did you ever get your elementary or your middle school or your high school teacher's teacher edition, their old edition, you know, that they weren't going to use anymore, so they gave it away to their students, and you just spent all your summer looking through them? Okay, maybe you didn't, but I did. Yes, I did. Fifth grade, second grade, I remember those specific moments from the teachers giving me their curriculum and I would go home and I would play school until my little heart couldn't do it anymore. I'd fall asleep. And my mom would take me to yard sales and especially if it was a retired teacher's yard sale, oh my goodness, I could not wait to get my hands on those teacher editions. I would spend hours in the basement and I still feel the science book for my fifth grade teacher probably really made the biggest impact, to be honest with you. I would even set up the science experiments. The most intriguing part of this whole experience being a micro school teacher or a homeschool business is that you get to choose your curriculum. And as a matter of fact, before I even started a micro school, as an instructional coach, I remember feeling as if our teachers were so bogged down with having to follow this plan or this sequence that they did not feel their students were either developmentally ready for, or maybe it was too slow, or they weren't able to differentiate. They had to use it with fidelity, and they were really having to teach what their neighbor teacher was teaching. And it was stifling to their creativity. And I'm not saying that happens all the time. But for the most part, we know that we do have to follow a scope and sequence. And I would listen to these homeschool moms and think, wow, I would love to do that, to teach what I love and to teach my child what they love and what they need. Because curriculum offers a very high value experience. It's the process in which we get to help choose what aligns with our passions, our mission, and our vision for our students and for our school. It allows us to really focus in on what our learners need. Now, if you haven't joined our Facebook group, please do so at Teacher Let Your Light Shine Facebook group. Also, this is a topic that has multiple layers, multiple, multiple layers. Today, I'm just going to get into the curriculum that I use and how I chose it, but that doesn't mean that this is for everybody. No siree, I am not at all suggesting that you use this same curriculum because your why Remember from episode 22, knowing our why is what really catapults us and being able to start building everything else for our micro school or our homeschooling business. But with this being said, I have spent months and months, actually years, looking at different curriculums. And I'm not even saying that what I chose is what I will continue to use throughout the years because I am growing and I am evolving. And the great news is every single year I can try something new and you can too. Now, if you don't have a micro school and you just want to do a homeschooling business where you are working side by side parents and homeschooling their child and they choose the curriculum, you can really have a great influence on parents in helping them choose the curriculum that would best suit their needs. While coaching teachers, I actually find that this is one of the 
most exciting parts is being able to choose the curriculum, but also you can really start overanalyzing a lot of decisions that go in to making the curriculum choice. So I do have a very systematic process and I have a matrix and we go through and we look at curriculums, we compare, we look at the pricing. And the great news is this, the cost of curriculum does not come out of your budget. The cost of a curriculum is a separate budget that you actually invoice to the families who send their children to your school. I also want to add that timing, timing when you start ordering and purchasing curriculum is very critical. One, because you can get discounts, but two, the most important reason is that you don't wanna pick a curriculum and then see your students and go, oh my goodness, I did not choose what's best. And then you start reinventing the wheel, right? Well, like I said, there is a very systematic process that I take teachers through and helping you rationalize what truly is best for you and the students. It's not just cost. It's on the amount of product that you get because if you're doing this out of your home, you have to be very cognizant of how much room you have. Also, if you're really wanting to incorporate a different type of teaching method. Let's say you chose to go with a Montessori method or a project-based learning or a self-directed learning model. Those lend itself to different types of curriculum. Or for some, they may choose not to have a curriculum and create their own thematic units, which is what I did to begin with. And I'm also going to share the biggest struggle that I had my first year when I started our micro school lighthouse learning. Before I actually share what I choose as a curriculum specifically for this year, I want to enlighten your mind. And this is something that really goes deep, you guys, because this is the heart of what you do. What you teach is the heart of what you do. It's very motivating knowing that you actually get to choose. I want to share this quote from you from Heidi Hayes Jacobs. She says, in America, we have 19th century school conditions and a curriculum that prepares our kids for the 1990s. It's 2021 when I am recording this episode. Now, I do not think that she is implying this for all schools, but I do want us to really think about, even though we say that we are developing 21st century learners, do our kids know where they live? Do they know the continent that they live on? The country? The city? The state? Do our students know how to collaborate? Like truly collaborate without being competitive because in this world, We have a market of people where you are constantly collaborating. Now that we have social media platforms, now that we have incredible movements through technology, collaboration is truly key. Making sure that our students know how to independently solve problems. And this all goes back again to knowing that authentic lessons are at the core of what we do, especially in a micro school or in a homeschooling business. You get to go with the flow. You get to develop something specific for a child and allow them to explore and create in ways that they're typically not granted in a traditional school setting. Again, I encourage you to go back to episode 22 and really develop your why so that you have a greater understanding of the type of curriculum that will help you not feel so stuck or bound or constrained where you're not just, it's important that your creativity is not stifled especially for our children as well, that we're not teaching to the test, that we don't feel the pressures of standards, 
Now, I'm not saying that you don't adhere to your state guidelines and regulations. You absolutely have to do that for sure. However, there's so much power in your hands. It's absolutely incredible. You no longer even have to feel as if things are not connecting or the vocabulary is PC or what's going on. I feel like I'm teaching science and then I teach something totally different in reading and then math and then social studies. You have the power, if that bothers you, you have the power to make a difference and really take ownership of what you are teaching students. And let me tell you, I have gone through a standards-based approach, having a basal series, teaching for several years without a science or a social studies book, trying to matchy-matchy little pieces of curriculum here, little things here, print things off online, try to follow this guideline, try to follow this framework. Oh my goodness, online learning. 45 minutes to an hour of online learning a week. And I didn't even really, I couldn't even keep up with it. My child's learning path or not my child, but my student's learning path can be super overwhelming. Curriculum on the surface sounds great, but it is truly a force to be reckoned with when it comes to prioritizing what's best for you and your students. And think about it. Those who are creating our standards for education, they're faceless and nameless. Those who are actually creating these standards and curriculum, do you know them? Do you know what their agenda is? Do you know what they're really teaching our children? Guys, there are movements coming down mainstream education. you got to be awake. You have to watch out. There's a lot of things that can be very, very, very disturbing. And it can just be swept under the rug or whoop, over your head. Your hands are tied. you got to teach it. Even if it doesn't sit well with you, you got to go for it. You got to do it. I love the book, Teach Like Finland. Make a long story short, Finland had an educational system that was rated or ranked below the United States, and they made really great adjustments. Teachers love teaching there from the book that I read from a teacher's perspective. And the teachers actually do follow a curriculum. They actually put a lot of stake in the curriculum and they enjoy it because they're not having to piece together information. Everything flows nicely for them. And we all know how it feels whenever you feel as if you're having to start from scratch and piece things together. So you have either two sides of the spectrum. You got not having a great curriculum and you have to recreate everything yourself and then it feels overwhelming and then you're burnt out because you're spending so much time planning and preparing and searching. Or then you have a curriculum where you have to teach what you don't want to teach, be held to a scope and sequence that feels unrealistic, or have to sacrifice your gifts and your passions for teaching because you have to teach in a way that doesn't set well with you. Okay, we've all faced this, but I think really at the heart of what we do is that we want to have the personal freedom, the teaching expertise to be trusted that whatever we have been provided, that we can use with ease, that we can use with excitement, that we're not recreating the will, that we're not held down, and that we can use it as a guide and create when necessary, that we are trusted. And that is exactly what happens when you have your own business, when you have your own school. So let me go ahead and share with you how I chose my curriculum for this year. And hopefully it inspires you and helps you along the way. I knew that I wanted a curriculum that made the students excel, not over their head excel, but excel in being more independent and really desiring to achieve new information that they had never been taught before. I felt it was a very high value for children to know geography and for children to have a hands-on approach to learning. I also felt 
My why was that I wasn't holding them captive, such as, okay, we're all going to be on page 23 today, and then tomorrow we're going to do page 25, and then tomorrow we're all going to learn such and such and such. I wanted the children to be able to move at a pace that they needed, but I did not want to recreate everything and find things every single week. So I knew that I needed a curriculum to help me stay organized, to give me an opportunity to stretch the students or to support the students in areas that they needed. So I actually chose to purchase a, what they call a boxed curriculum. I felt inspired after reading the Teach Like Finland book and I thought, I'm going to actually get a curriculum from a company. I'm going to use it as a backbone and I really valued the fact that students had social studies books in their hands. I've never taught at a school where children had social studies books. 16 years in education, never had been to a school where children had social studies books. They had science workbooks, but not science books. So I valued that. And I wanted the children to have a curriculum where they actually had a book and they had a little workbook to go alongside it. Now, do we go from front to back? No. I have first and second graders. I ordered a first grade curriculum and a second grade curriculum because I had students in first grade going up to second grade. They are excelling. These children excel. That's another thing that I want to mention is that no matter if a child comes in at a lower level than let's say mainstream might call second grade, but you're noticing that at their age level, they should be developmentally at at a different place. Let's just say that. Because we work with small groups, we have such an advantage to pull these children up at such a faster rate. Now, I also valued individualized learning plans. This really gets into a topic that is aside from curriculum, but just hear me out here. This was my why, okay? I also knew that the children that I had loved art. So I wanted a curriculum. I'm not an art teacher. I can't teach art. But I found a curriculum where there's so much weaving and tuning in to see so many opportunities for art, geography, science. I didn't want to come up with all the experiments. So I needed something that had it laid out for me. And again, I pick and choose what topics we're going to cover. I pick and choose what order we're going to cover them. And in addition, as far as phonics, In math, I definitely have very individualized lesson plans for these children because they are on different levels, higher than what they are grade level wise. And I knew that it was important to keep them excelling at the rate that they needed. What's also really great is if you have a student, let's say they're in sixth grade, but they have been failing in public school and they need additional support. You don't have to choose a sixth grade curriculum. You can choose a curriculum that's on a lower grade level and support that student up to where they can excel at a faster rate. And then you can purchase a curriculum mid-year. And I explain that to parents and parents who want their children to quote unquote catch up, they're willing to pay the additional price for that curriculum mid-year if their child needs it. So number one, you have to prioritize the values that you have and the movement or the method that you want to go with. If it's Montessori, project-based, self-directed, if you want to have a flipped classroom, blended, tons of technology, or if you want to do more traditional or a homeschool approach, or there's even a movement out there called unschooling, whatever it is that you value, that's what you're going to start with first. And then you begin 
researching. You can even check out a homeschool convention in your area. It's like professional development on steroids. I went to one this summer. I was actually able to get a discount for our curriculum. I got to put my hands on the curriculum. I didn't order all my curriculum at the convention, but I was able to get a very good glimpse. You can also find so many online learning supplements. It's just so many choices out there. You do have to stay organized. I do have a matrix in my coaching program where we go through so that you do not overanalyze, which by the way, there is a freebie coming out tomorrow, how to overcome analysis paralysis. So be looking for that. All right, I digress. Okay, prioritize your high values. Think about the method that you wanna use. Begin researching and of course, write out the price and show this to the parents so that they are aware upfront of what they are going to pay for curriculum. In addition, you're going to want to add in some more funds for hands-on learning, experiments, and the list goes on and on. That's something that we can dive in in a coaching session, or you can feel free to reach out to me for additional questions. Now, I'm going to go ahead and list out the main components that I have in my homeschool for curriculum. Number one, the passion piece, which is art and geography. I use the good and the beautiful. It's good and it's beautiful. So much creativity. It does have a biblical approach, but they learn so much about the world and other countries and foods and it involves cooking and so many games and writing and beautiful art woven in and the children have learned how to use pastels. They've learned how to write so eloquently and beautifully. And with all this being said, I knew what I wanted but I was a little bit fearful to go away from the system and not go with that traditional approach or not have so much technology. And as a matter of fact, I built the school so fast that all I knew what to do was to fall back on what I had known to do before. And that was to copy the system. And I went through and because I was an instructional coach, I had so much information and my own things that I had saved over the year and teaching to the standards. And by December, I was burnt. I made the decision, I am done with this. I even expressed to the parents, I did not think that I made the best choice curriculum-wise. I went with what I've always known, thinking that I don't know what else to do. This is my first year. And oh my goodness, what if all the parents decide that they want to put their kids back in public school next year? Ah, let me just mimic what the public school system has done. And It completely stole my joy. So from that moment on, I decided I'm not doing this anymore. Did I lose some money? I did. And I didn't even care. I paid the price. I went out. I had parents give me donations to get different types of curriculum. But for the most part, I only maybe blew my budget of like $100 here or there. But I did decide that I was no longer going to teach the way that I had always done it before. As a matter of fact, I'm like, that's exactly why I left. Why am I trying to recreate this in my home? I do not want to do this. I was using the same assessments, pacing, and it just was not a good experience. So we went back to books in their hands and more authentic learning experiences. But the truth is, they grew more after I decided that I was not going to do what I had always done before. They grew more. And not because of me, because they had an opportunity to learn through play and they were not constricted and felt as if they had to 
have this big, long checklist of things to do. And I'm not saying that I started my school off like that. I obviously had many new experiences for the children that I had never been able to use in public school. But for the most part, I went back to default and it wasn't making me happy. So the next year, I fine-tuned. I also went and made sure that I had a double dip in reading. We have a major illiteracy problem in our country. And so I knew, by golly, these kids are going to learn how to read and they're going to love reading. So yes, we do go to the library, but I did, in addition, get materials from BJU Press. This does exhibit more of a traditional approach, but the kids have math, reading, science, social studies, and videos to go along with their reading. And again, I differentiate. We don't teach everything. For some kids, they're in one part of math. For other kids, they're in another part of math. But I still loved that I had a guide and that I can utilize videos and that children had books in their hands. And they love it. They're learning history. They're learning so much about geography. They're learning so much when it comes to great literature, fiction and nonfiction, and they have so many great opportunities for children to have higher order thinking activities in relation to what they're learning. I did order a separate spelling book for all of my students and handwriting books. We do cursive handwriting. I also, this is for me, I value children being proficient with their math facts. I don't time them, but it is a culture that, hey, listen, every day we're going to practice our math facts for five to 10 minutes. I have purchased some online learning platforms. I use Adventure Academy. Khan Academy is free. We do that. The children love it because they can level up. And I use reading eggs and math seeds for my younger students, which is really, really great. And we utilize quite a few learning online programs as well that are free. I also purchased a Bible study booklet for the students. Again, that's high value. What I felt was going to be a part of our school culture that was extremely important. All of my younger students, they do have their very own phonics books. And listen, if you have an older student who's struggling in phonics, get them their own phonics book as well. And for math, I chose BJU Press in addition to, like I said, their reading and their science and their social studies. But I also made sure that I had enough manipulatives to make it very hands-on. Again, The science, social studies, and math all have video components and the children love watching them. I don't utilize it every day, but hey, listen, when I need it, I pull it out and it's just a really great fresh breath of air in your teaching and for the students as well. And then of course, I also throw in just some fun little activities for the kids to have that are based around what they truly love. So I have some students who are obsessed with the human body. And guess what? I bought a couple little booklets for the human body and it has crossword puzzles and it has really great games inside and they love it. I also have mystery boxes that I purchased. Incredible. So you can see hands-on learning was very valuable to me in addition to making sure that students had their own differentiated little, I would call it a little bank. Every child has their own little bank of things that are different for them And it makes them feel appreciated. It makes them feel like, okay, once I get finished with the core of what I need to do for the day, now I get to go and choose some activities that I'm really passionate about. Some really enjoy learning about earth and the moon and the stars. So they have different little packets 
and their little bank that they can go to, and they're very motivated and inspired to do so. So with all of this being said, I hope that this big beast of choosing a curriculum has inspired you and taken the fear out of your decision making. Now, stay tuned in the next couple days for our big Black Friday sale. Stay tuned and thank you all so much for listening. If you are ready to go the next step, grab a coaching package with me. I'll take you through. I'll hold your hand. We'll go step by step. And if this episode has got you thinking a little bit more, I encourage you go look at us on Facebook, Lighthouse Learning, and see what you think or join our Facebook group so that you can get more insight. I will see you soon. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Hey, hey, teacher friend. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. I pray it inspired you, touched you, or challenged you in some way because we are making big shifts and using our teaching gifts for God's glory like never before. I'm so grateful for you. The number one way you can support this show is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts and also share this with another teacher. Come join me in the virtual teacher's lounge known as the Teacher Let Your Light Shine Facebook group. Until next time, keep shining your teacher light. The world needs you.